joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melts the clouds of Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Let's go to our passage here, all right? Uh, Daniel chapter 3, really we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1, but a hot situation, a hot situation. We, we all, not all of us, but most of us know this story here. Uh, in, in the book of Daniel, as we get into the fiery furnace, it's going to be our third story that we talk about in our story room, but I want us to talk about it together today and really back up and get into it. Because here's the thing, and I really think this way, and I really feel this way about this book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel and the lion's den in the fiery furnace, they really get the press for everything, right? They get the press for everything. They're the, they're the two tentpole stories of this particular book. and and I think that's partly because they're the most interesting, most engaging. But also, once you kind of get past um, the, the Daniel and the Lion's Den, you get into more of a Revelation-style book where there's a lot of prophecy and, and different things that's kind of hard to digest sometimes. And so it doesn't get a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, uh, front time. It just kind of is kind of pushed aside after kind of chapter 6. Uh, and, and maybe we need to do a better job of digging into that and explaining that and teaching that. But this statement that we've been talking about for a few weeks now of your focus determines your reality is so true, especially in this book, because what we see in chapter 1 is we see where the focus really starts. The realities of chapter 3 and the realities of chapter 6 would not be there, I don't believe, if the focus wasn't automatically there or already there in chapter 1. The winning moments of the lions did in the fiery furnace didn't just happen all of a sudden. They, were, they, they, they happened to men who were prepared for those moments. They were focused on the right things, and then in a moment of challenge, in a moment of difficulty, their reality was not how hard it was, but how great God is. And so they were able to overcome those things. So let's, let's start and kind of see the beginning of this story, and then we'll wrap it up uh, with the passages that we're going to really uh, get into in chapter 3. So starting in Daniel chapter 1. Verses 1 through 9. In the third year of the reign of uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, into his hands along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Uh, there he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia uh, and put the treasures in the house of his God. Then the king ordered, uh, Ash, uh, I'm not good at these names, Ashpenazes, uh, chief of his court's officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and of the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine uh, from the king's table, and there and they were to be trained for three years after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those, were the, uh, the, the, among those who were chosen were some, of the, uh, some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, 
to Hananiah, uh, Shadrach, to Meshach, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Let's start right there. Let's, let's talk about our first focal point. The first focal point that you see from the very beginning of the story, and there's really two of them that we'll look at together, but the first is holiness. The first is holiness. So you've got these, this, this group of young men who have, have been assimilated, if you will, into the culture of, of their captors. King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and says, I want the best, the brightest, the smartest, the best-looking guys. Bring them in, and we're going to train them for three years. And when you really think about being in captivity, when you think of that word, when you think of captivity, how many of you think automatically of something bad, right? Captivity would be maybe a horrible thing, right? But not for these guys. For the guys that were captive and, and brought into the king's court to be in the king's service, they were treated like what? Royalty in many ways. Because he said, we're not just going to feed you, we're going to feed you off of whose table? Whose menu do you get to eat off of? The king's menu. The king's menu. How many of you think the king's menu is probably better than most of the menus you even eat at home? I, I would guess so. One of the cool things about being president of the United States is if you have a favorite restaurant, okay, if you have a favorite restaurant, one of the things that you get to do is you get to designate a couple of special chefs. Now, the White House has their own chefs anyway, but you get to designate some of your own personal favorite restaurant chefs and get to bring them to the White House uh, to cook uh, amongst this kind of a, a temporary assignment. And all the presidents um, through the years have had like their favorite restaurant chefs from the restaurants that they would eat at in their hometown or whatever. They got to bring them to D.C. and those chefs got to work in the White House kitchen for a while and got to continue to prep those dishes that the president, before he became president, really liked. Okay, so, so it's, it's like you... We, we don't, we don't know. How many of you have eaten a great meal somewhere before and you've gone home and you've tried to, to copycat that? Does it ever turn out? Does it ever turn out as good? Not usually. Not usually. And very rarely does it turn out as good. And, but, but that's where, that's what these guys get. They get the best of the best. And if I'm in captivity, and maybe you're right here with me. If I'm in captivity and they say, hey, we're going to, you're still going to be captives, but we're going to treat you like royalty and you get to eat off the king's menu. How many of you are going to go, okay? I mean, just, just at face value, just at face value, I'm okay with eating the king's food. But what does Daniel say? What does Daniel realize? Daniel realized that assimil assimilation into this culture does nothing but separate him from his God. And apparently from the king's table, there's issues because there's all these foods that they're not supposed to eat under the, under the law. And he says, I can't be a part of that. I've been called to a standard of living. I've been called to holiness. We've been talking about this on Sunday nights for a couple of months now. Holiness does not equal perfection. Say that with me. Holiness does not equal perfection. But when we hear that word, we think that. 
But God says, be holy because I am holy. God has commanded you to be holy. If he's commanded you to be holy, then you are capable within yourself to be what? Holy. And if you've been with us on Sunday nights, we've been talking about that process and the things that we do and the way that we live. But he says, I have been called to a higher standard. I've been called to a holy standard. And just because this moment benefits me doesn't mean I'm going to dive into it head first. And he says, I'm going to live still in the way of God. And he does that himself and what appears to be three really good friends that for some reason we continue to call Daniel by his uh, Jewish name, and, and we call the other three guys by their given names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they come together and they say, we're going to live this way. But what was the key to them to continue to be able to do that? I believe it was community. You know, it's one thing to do something by yourself and to make a stand by yourself, but it's a lot easier when you have a group of people around you, right? When you have that group of people, when these four guys together said, we're going to live this way. We're going to live in holiness to God. We're going to live, we may be away from our land, but we're still going to live in covenant with our God. And so they said, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. You, you give us 10 days. We're going to eat the food that we need to eat. You let these guys do what they need to do, and let's see who's better off at the end of these 10 days. But they were able to do that and do that effectively and do that efficiently because they did it together. Listen, as Christians, we are meant to be together, and not just for one or two hours a week. We go back to what I said when we started in Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47, it's got all these things that they did, but it starts out with the idea that they met together when? Daily in the temple courts. They built those relationships. It was normal for the church to be together. And as you fast forward through the book of Acts, you see over and over where there's instances that the church was together with each other, doing things, serving living with each other. They were doing, they were living life together. They weren't showing up for church and then going home. Yet that's why we've made church culture to some degree. You show up for a big gathering on Sunday morning. We make it this big important thing that we have to do and we walk out and we lose connection with everybody else. But what Satan wants is he wants us to do that. Satan wants us to be here on Sunday morning, be connected for an hour, and then disperse from each other. Because when we disperse from each other and we lose that connection with each other, when there's just one of me standing out here on this island all by myself, I'm the perfect target. And Satan goes, I can get him. But when we're all together and we're living life together, and we're serving together, and we're ministering together, and we're prepping for vacation Bible school together, and, and, and we're serving on Adopt-A-School together, and we're helping with our youth ministry together, and, and, and when we're teaching our classes together, and not just one person, we're sharing that load with each other. When we're doing these things together in community, then we create the environment where I can live in greater holiness. Because I've got people to help me with it. And I feel like, oh man, I, I just, I, I don't think that I can, uh, another salad. I mean, that's what they're eating. They're eating vegetables and salads. Another salad. How many of you would be okay with eating nothing but salads for 10 days? Raise your hand. Okay. The rest of you are like me. 
And you're like, after about day three, you're like, the king's table's sounding pretty good, right? No, come on, we got this. We're in this together. And you see, it's those focuses, the together focus, that leads us to the rest of the stories that says, I can do this because I know when I stand up for God against the world, I'm not doing it by myself. That was one of the really cool things that we talked about last week in class as we're going through the book of Revelation. We're we're reading this section uh, about the multitude in chapter uh, 7, about the multitude of saints that are around the throne. And, And I think it was Alex that mentioned it's so refreshing to see that we're not alone. That there are times in our walk that we feel like we're by ourselves, but that passage jumped out and said, hey, there's, there's Christians everywhere. And we know, especially where we live, especially in this family, we never have to be alone. We may choose to be, but we never have to be alone. We can live in community and live this life of holiness. All right, let, let's, let's get moving. Um, have a shared sense of purpose. That's, that's our mission with each other. Uh, let's keep going. Chapter 3, let's, let's get to our story here and hit the high points. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, perfects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, magistrates, I'm sorry, uh, and all the other providential officials to come to dedicate the image he had set up. Uh, let's, let's, let's keep going because we're running out of time here. So the idea here is he's got this big, he's got this big, um, this big idol of himself that he's made, and he gets everybody together and he says, "All right, we're going to bring everybody into the plane here, and when we all get here, you're going to hear the music, and when the music, when it starts playing, everybody bow down and worship the image, which is he's saying, everybody bow down and worship me." Now, here's his focus. His focus is idolatry, and it's really personal idolatry. He's focused on himself. How many of you could stand to look? At an image of, of, of a of a like a thirty to forty foot tall uh, statue of yourself every day. How many, how many of you even enjoy looking in the mirror at yourself? How many of you like got one? You look in the mirror all day, right? It's all good. This is what I love. When you take a picture of a group of women, what do they have to do before you get done with it? You want to you want to you want to stress a group of women out? Take a picture of them with your phone and then turn your phone off. Put it back in your pocket. What do they all want to do? I gotta see it. Let us let us see it. Let's see if we approve it. Let's see if we approve it. We I took a picture of some of my wife and some other ladies at a, the Mexican restaurant the other day. I go one, two, three, click, 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 click. I'm like, okay, I'm done. And they go, what do you mean you're done? Like, let us see it. And they saw it, and then they all resituated, and we had to take it again, right? And um, like it was, and it didn't look a bit different. The picture didn't look a bit different. Nebuchadnezzar says, I want a statue of myself. It's all about me. It's all about me. And it's so easy to fall into that. Because when I can put myself in a situation where it's all about me and everybody else will agree to go along with it being all about me, oh man, my life feels so easy. feels so good. We have to be careful not to fall into this idea of personal idolatry. But then what was the punishment? What was the punishment of not doing it? You got thrown into the what? Fiery furnace. Okay, so we've skipped down to verse 8. After this time... Some um, astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, 
May the king live forever. We talked about this last week. We're back into this flattery stuff, right? Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, uh, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And uh, that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. So what happened? They hear, this, they hear everything, and you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people out in this plane, and they all hit the ground at one time. I can imagine that that thud had to just be uh, just, just, just deafening loud, everybody hitting the ground at one time. I'm sure dust flew up in the air, and, and as the dust settled, as you look out across the plane, as the dust settled, there's three guys just awkwardly standing there. Just awkwardly standing there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why are they able to stand up? Why are they able to say, we're not going to bow down before your God? Because in chapter 1, they said, we're going to live a life of holiness. And they said, no matter what happens, we're going to serve our God and our God only. They stood together in chapter 1, so they knew they could stand together in chapter 3. or Yeah, chapter 3. And I think that's the key to friendships in the church. We need to be the type of people that we know that if I ever feel like I'm the only one standing, I can turn and look, and it may be off in a distance, but I see you standing as well. I know you're not just following along with the crowd. And so this is what the reality becomes of King Nebuchadnezzar. When these guys wouldn't bow down, rage hits. Rage hits. Let's go back and look at what does it say at the end of this verse. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And then the passage goes on. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of the, of the gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship, uh, the image I made very good. But if not, or if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. That's what they say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. This goes back to what we talked about last week. We'll touch it and then move on. Consistency. There are two ways to do something, the right way and again. They did it the right way in chapter 1. They served God through holiness. They're serving God through holiness again in chapter 3. We're going to see Daniel continue to serve through God through holiness in chapter 6. We serve God. We serve God. We serve God. We serve God. That's what we're called to. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered them, uh, ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. We're going to skip to the next slide here. Um, so as all of this is going on, 
as all of this is going on, King Nebuchadnezzar goes, hey, didn't we put three guys in there? And this is what the response is. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nothing had happened to him. Nothing had happened to them at all. They were in white robes. They were, they were tied up in white robes and with turbans on. And they get in there, and they, when they come out, they don't smell like smoke. They're not burnt. Nothing. And the reality is they're what? They're victory. When their focus is holiness, when their focus is consistency, then their reality becomes victory. We see that with Paul. Paul says, my focus is going to be worship from our very first lesson. And his, his reality became victory. Daniel says, my focus is going to be consistency in prayer, and my reality became uh, victory. These guys say holiness, consistency, and then their reality is victory. This is a quote that I found this week that I love. Coaches, you can use this because I think this is great. Individuals play the game, but teams beat the odds. Individuals play the game, but teams beat the odds. The odds are, if I throw you into a fiery furnace, you're going to what? Burn. You're going to die. The guys that threw them in the furnace, they burned and they died. But because these guys said, I'm going to live a life of holiness, all the way in chapter 1, all the way when they're kids. They're teenage boys in chapter 1. They're grown men in chapter 3, all right? They're teenage boys that says, we're going to live this together. We're not going to have to do this by ourselves. We're not going to have to do this alone. We're not going to just play the game. We're going to defy the odds, and we're going to do that with each other. And here's the thing that I love about this, is when we decide that we're going to walk with each other, when we decide that we're going to defy the odds, when we decide that holiness and consistency and worship and prayer are going to define our lives, God says, you don't have to do it by yourself. I'm going to be right there with you. The angel of God still walks with us today. The Holy Spirit lives with us today. God goes wherever we go. Jesus is still our Savior, has been, and always will be. He says, if you want to defy the odds, be on my team, and we will win and gain victory together. When I trust in God, the world does not win. There are going to be times that it feels like I lose. There's going to be times when I live and choose holiness, and it feels like I lose. But God says in the book of Revelation, he says, hey, listen, when you show up, even if your service and holiness leads to death, when you get here, I give you a robe and a crown of victory. When we choose holiness, our reality will always be victory. It may not be an easy win but it'll always be victory. And we see that in every story that we're working through next week. That when I trust in God, I receive victory. When I focus on what I need to focus on, when that's where, I, where I'm going to be, then I receive victory. Sometimes it's going to be a hot situation. I'm going to overcome, and I'm going to receive victory in my life. I'm going to tell you what. It's been easy to focus on God this week for me. There's been a lot of great things happen over the past week. We've had baptisms happen this past week. We've had work nights this past week. We've had, we've had babies born this past week. It's been a good week for our family here at Ninth Avenue. 
It's been an energizing week, even though it's the middle of summer and, and, and we're somewhat disconnected during the summer because we're traveling and, and vacations and, and different things. It's been a week that's helped me just kind of look around and go, hey, let's just keep doing what we're doing because we're doing something right because God is blessing us. God's saying, I've got you. Just keep your focus where it needs to be. So I pray that you are focused in the direction that we need to be and that we're focused together. Because when we're focused on what really matters, reality becomes victory through Jesus. Let's close with a word of prayer this morning. God, we thank you for a chance to once again study just an amazing story from your word. We pray that no matter what goes on around us, the challenges that we face in our life, the difficulties that come, that we continue to focus on you so that our reality can be victory in the end. We know that you've promised us that. God, help us to claim that promise in our life. We thank you so much for all that you do for us, Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning, we end, just like we did last week and, and the week before, offering the invitation, challenging you with the notion that you can know that your salvation is secure, that your victory is in your hand. And if you question that in any way, let's, let's not leave that undone. You can have your sins washed away. As Jesus says, if you believe in me and are baptized, you will be saved. It's a plain and straight, simple thing. It's not a Matthew thing. It's not a church thing. It's not a denomination thing. It's a Jesus thing. And he says, follow me and find your salvation that way. If you have a question of your salvation, let's not leave with any question today. Just follow the words of Jesus. If you have struggled in that salvation, if you've struggled in that walk, if you've struggled in your focus, help, let us help you back in focusing in the right direction so your reality can be victory once again. If there's anything you need, come as we stand and sing together. Thankful, Father, for the other for the opportunity that we have been afforded to come and worship you. We pray, Father, that everything that we have done this morning has been in accordance to your will and will bring honor and glory to your name. Now, Father, as we go out into this world, we pray that we'll take you with us, that you'll lead us and guide us and bless us with the knowledge and wisdom that we need to bring others to you. 
Forgive us of our sins. Thank you for Jesus. In Christ's name we ask this. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us, and please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus. Which and Twitter. Morning stars began. Father, love Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus. giving and forgiving ever blessing ever blessed thank you again for joining us and please consider subscribing to our youtube channel or our podcast we can be found on apple podcasts or any other podcast provider also leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist in getting the message of god's love and salvation to others you can also follow us on facebook Lift us to the joy divine. Instagram. Mortals join the mighty chorus. Which and Twitter. Morning stars began. Farther love. Be is sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love, love like Jesus. Man to man ever sing.